This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. I'm a hard-working nitrogen granule just like anyone else. I never used to take this nitrogen gig too seriously, but now I have a wife and kids to think about. So I wear this ESN polymer coating. Protects me from nitrogen loss on the job site until crops need me. No worries. The ESN coating makes me a smarter, more responsive nitrogen. Want to learn more? Come check me out at smartnitrogen.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. My name is Stephanie Crowley, and I'm here today with Alan Blaylock, who is a senior agronomist with Nutrien. Thanks, Alan, for joining us today. Uh, Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you just start by introducing yourself and and sharing a little bit about your role at Nutrien? Yes. uh, So as Stephanie said, I'm senior agronomist. I've been with Nutrien and uh, predecessor companies for 25 years, and I had a great time working in industry. My role is to support our customers with technical information. We manage uh, various sponsored research projects. We do a lot of educational activities, such as these podcasts and website content for our economics website, which is an agronomic website that our agronomy team hosts. So producers uh, may want to take a look at that. They may find some um, useful information there as well. And uh, generally supporting sales and marketing activities and supporting product development and those kinds of things. Excellent. So we're going to chat a little bit today about drought, which has been a a hot topic, maybe perhaps even the word of the summer uh, for many of our our farming friends in in Western Canada and in parts of uh, Northern Ontario. Um, And I want to chat with you a little bit about how drought impacts general crop nutrition. Um, And, and, you know, we've we've had a little bit of respite in some areas with rain, uh, but I think a lot of the damage has been done already. So can you speak a little bit about how those drought conditions really impact the nutrition and the health of a crop? Yes, obviously, outside of the moisture stress itself, drought can definitely impact plant nutrition in that dry soils are going to limit root activity, especially at the soil surface. And when the soil is dry, those roots are not very effective at taking up nutrients. And so so that moisture stress effect can be compounded with nutrient stress as well, particularly if we have poor nutrients in the subsoil and that's where the active roots are going to be in dry conditions where there's a little bit more moisture. But if we don't have nutrients in the subsoil, then we can often run into a variety of nutrient deficiencies under dry conditions. There's another important process that's going on that that is limited in dry soils, and that's our soil biological activity. These soil organisms are releasing nutrients for the plant to utilize. And in dry soil conditions, they like our crop plants are less active. And mm-hmm. so nutrient release under those conditions may be limited, may be reduced. So those sources of nutrients are going to be a, a smaller pool, a, a lesser source for the plant that, that can affect plant nutrition in drought conditions. All right. And, you know, I think 
the um, those dry conditions this year have had tremendous impacts on um, farming operations and again in both Western Canada and in parts of Ontario. Uh, I know I was uh, reading an article that featured a, a farmer in, in Northern Ontario in the Thunder Bay area who had mentioned they were harvesting their wheat uh, winter wheat crop a little bit early to use for uh, feed for their livestock. Um, and so when that happens, if there's a crop that's originally intended for a grain harvest um, and it's used for forage instead, um, how does this affect the nutrient removal in the soil? Yeah, the nutrient removal um, is, is obviously going to be different. If, if we remove the entire crop, we're going to remove more nutrients. Mm -hmm. um, of greatest interest in that regard is usually potassium because most of the potassium stays in the leaves and stems. And so when we when we're harvesting grain, we only remove a small portion of that potassium, but when we harvest the entire plant, we really greatly increase the potassium removal. This is a, an issue in forages as well. Now, in, in a lot of our Western Canadian production areas, soil potassium is very high. We're often not worried about potassium, so it may, be, may not be a problem. It, it may not be a concern for those growers that even though they're removing the whole plant, they've got abundant potassium, so maybe it's not an issue. But as we move further east, where soils may be naturally less fertile, uh, potassium has been uh, depleted by weathering over the years, and so we have less natural fertility, and that greater removal needs to be monitored and, and accounted for. Okay. Okay, and and you know this time of year too. I know a lot of times we'll do a soil test in the fall, um, and then again in the spring. Will growers who are testing their soil this time of year, this fall, um, notice any impacts from a drought on their on their soil test results? There's a there are several effects that growers may notice. Um, obviously, as we've talked about nutrient removal, if you're not harvesting as much crop you would expect that there will be nutrients remaining in the soil that were not used. You fertilized for a higher yield than you actually achieved. So the crop didn't remove as much. So, so you may see that show up in a soil test with somewhat elevated levels from that residual fertilizer. This may be particularly uh, noticeable with a soil nitrate sample. Now, not everyone samples for soil nitrate, but in the Western, uh, Part of the country and the prairies, soil nitrate may be valuable uh, information, mm -hmm. particularly where we don't have as much crop removal and there may be a lot of nitrogen left in the soil that could be used by the following crop. In, in the prairies, we don't anticipate a lot of overwinter loss, so that residual nitrate can carry over to the next crop and should be considered in, in the crop budget. In the eastern areas, that fall soil nitrate is less meaningful because we can have overwinter loss and so it would be advisable to uh, take that uh, with a grain of salt, as we mm -hmm. might say, um, and, and not apply too much meaning to that because a, a soil test in the spring is going to have a lot more meaning. Um, one of the other things that is noted often in drought conditions is particularly at the end of the season, if we've had dry weather and we haven't had a lot of rainfall, um, the potassium in the crop residues left in the field is not leached out as readily. So potassium is, is leached from this plant tissue quite readily by rainfall. Mm -hmm. So when that residue is left in the field, we get rain on it, it goes into the soil and that's picked up in the soil test. But in dry conditions, particularly when we've had very dry weather at the end of the season and post-harvest, that potassium is still in the tissue. And so it does not show up 
in the soil test. So we can often right. see lower than expected soil test for potassium because we're not getting that recycling uh, as rapidly. So uh, again, in Western Canada, that may be less of an issue. Uh, we're less concerned about the potassium because we have so much in the soil, but in other areas, it may be very important to, to consider that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and you, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because my next question was going to be about how we should maybe advise farmers to alter their nitrogen plans or nitrogen management management strategies for next year. Um, Cause you talked about how a crop hasn't been fully removed from the field that might affect obviously nitrogen levels in the soil. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? And maybe, you know, as we're, we're planning for next year, um, what can farmers consider when it comes to their nitrogen strategy, um, given what they had to deal with this, this season? Yes. Um, as I mentioned, we can have that higher residual nitrate in the soil and that should be part of their budget. So if they have, if they identify that residual nitrate in their soil tests, and I want to make a few comments about that sampling as well, but, but if they identify that nitrate in the soil test, that can go into their total nitrogen budget and potentially reduce what they need to apply for next year. Now, again, this is more useful in Western areas where we don't have overwinter leaching occurring, mm -hmm. uh, less useful in the East where we could possibly lose that nitrate in the spring, but we can come back and sample in the spring if there's uh, some concern, if we suspect that that nitrate is still there. If we have a dry winter, for example, that nitrate may well be there um, even in the humid region. So, right. so that, but that should be considered in the crop budget if, it, if it's there, the farmer should consider that and take advantage of that and, and possibly uh, save some money on, on fertilizer, which is obviously very expensive right now and everybody's concerned about that. So, so yeah. really look at the entire nutrient budget. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something that can easily affect your, your bottom line, especially if the year didn't go as well as you had hoped it would and, and you didn't get a great crop in the bin after harvest uh, given those conditions that we had this summer so yeah and a comment i would add to that is is while these are uh tweaks to their program it's still advisable that a farmer follow a well thought out planned program and, and I would not advise a farmer to deviate too much from if they have a successful program to stay with that program and, and make these adjustments as, as not a big change in a program, but, mm -hmm. but adjustments to the rate, for example, right. uh, but stick with tried and true good management practices. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, those, just those small tweaks might just make a good enough difference that, that you'll be able to uh, see some, some better results. Um, and, and we always advise to, you know, of course, work with your team, work with your, your, crop specialists, your agronomists, um, and, and folks that you trust and, and ensure that you're following the plan that you have in place. Absolutely. Great advice. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Nutrien's ESN product and drought conditions. We, we just like we've said, we've um, drought conditions will affect the way that fertilizer works in a field. Um, but how do drought conditions affect the release of nitrogen from ESN specifically? Yeah, good question. We get that question a lot. Um, in the prairies, uh, because we do have, drought is not uncommon in the prairies. We do For have sure. dry conditions. It's a semi-arid yeah. region. So we get that question a lot. Obviously, water is essential for the ESN release process. It's a diffusion process through the coating. 
we have we have studied that mechanism in in different moisture conditions and and really water doesn't limit the release rate or or water doesn't control the release rate as long as there's sufficient moisture present and from the studies we've done moisture doesn't really become limiting to that release process until we get down close to the permanent wilting point so if we think about the crop growth, if that ESN is in the soil and there's enough moisture to grow a crop, there's enough moisture for that ESN to continue to release. And it's relatively unaffected by water content above that level of moisture, whether the soil is saturated or whether it's 50% of field capacity or near the wilting point, the release rate is more governed by temperature than anything else. Okay. Um, so with that in mind, what are the benefits of using ESN in a dry year like what we've what we've experienced this year in many regions? Yeah, a couple of things, a couple of comments on that. That's a very good question. Um, generally speaking, a, a lot of people use ESN to control nitrogen loss in dry conditions. If we don't have nitrogen loss, then one might suppose that that there's not a benefit. And oftentimes that's true in dry conditions. But one thing we have observed in drought conditions where it's very dry. The plant is under moisture stress um, throughout the season and controlling that nitrogen supply can help control early vegetative growth. And that means the plant uses less water during vegetative growth and conserves more for the reproductive period. And we have a number of examples uh, in Canada, as well as in our US research where we didn't really plan it this way, but ESN was applied and the conditions were very dry and we've got, we got remarkable yield increases. And so we, unexpectedly, but we see the benefit of controlling that vegetative growth. And it's kind of like applying a little bit of nitrogen early to get the plant started and applying more and spoon feeding it through the season. So. Mm -hmm. So we're not burning up excess moisture or burning up soil moisture with excess vegetative growth. Okay. Well, that's good to note. And, uh, you know, now as we move towards harvest and hopefully getting that wrapped up on a, on a timely basis and, and successfully, um, for, for those farmers who did experience drought this year, um, should they still consider a fall fertilizer application or, you know, based on what we've just chatted about, where the, will there still be enough um, nitrogen left in the soil? How do you make that decision? Right. So we, we need to balance crop need with uh, the fertilizer. The, probably the biggest concern about making a fall fertilizer application would be, are the soils suitable to applying fertilizer. For example, if we're going to be injecting ammonia into dry soil, the potential for loss is very high because the soil doesn't close, there's not enough water to contain the ammonia, and so we can get loss of ammonia out of the soil as we're applying it. So if we can't get the appropriate depth of application or the appropriate placement for whatever fertilizer we're putting on, mm -hmm. it may be best to wait until spring. So and and it, it it just may be too dry to yeah. to really make those applications. So I think that's going to be the primary concern. Now you have to balance that against the potential for delays in the spring in areas that are prone to spring wetness. Part of the reason we apply in the fall is to avoid those wet conditions in the spring. Right. So you have to balance these concerns with 
appropriate fall applications, being able to make, to, to place the fertilizer the right way against the potential for poor conditions in the spring due to too much moisture. So it's a bit of a guessing game, but you have to look at what is normal for my area in the spring. Can I, do I have the opportunity to put those nutrients on in the spring versus am I able to do a good job in the mm -hmm. fall? And, and so there's a, a bit of risk management and, and guesswork there, but, but look at your history and, and take some lessons from that as to what's going to work best um, under the conditions that exist today. Okay. That's great advice. And I know we say this a lot in agriculture, but there really is no silver bullet. There's, there's <laughs> nothing, that, there's nothing that will work, you know, perfectly for every single field out there, but uh, having those considerations uh, as you make your decisions is, is helpful. So appreciate that. Yeah. Um, any other final tips or words you'd like to share before we uh, sign off? Well, again, um, I, I think if we, we always advise growers to follow what we call the four R nutrient stewardship principles of apply the right rate, right time, right place, um, and, and the right fertilizer. So, yes. so I've talked a little bit about rate adjustments from carryover nutrients. So that, that may be used to adjust the rate. Placement may be more difficult with um, dry soil conditions or the timing uh, may not be right. So we wanna take a look at those things and, and in dry conditions, if I can't apply ammonia, what are my other source options? So, so there's a, a variety of things to consider in relation to these dry soil conditions. And so uh, again, I advise the growers to look at those basic concepts and, and stick with good sound agronomic principles. And we're always the optimists in agriculture, right? We wouldn't plant a crop if we didn't think, if we knew conditions like we had in 2021 were going to occur, would we plant a crop to, right. to harvest one or two bushels? Well, maybe not. So, so true. we always <laughs> anticipate that next year is going to be better. And yeah. so uh, that's why I say don't depart from your tried and true principles and, and, you have a history of what works on your farm mm -hmm. and, and you can use information to tweak that, to make these minor adjustments, small adjustments, but stay with what, uh, what we know works. Yeah, definitely. And keep positive, as you said, because we always positive. have to, we always stay have to, to think forward and think that next year is going to be better. And that might be hard to do right now, but uh, uh, we have to, how would you get out of bed otherwise? So you got to keep moving forward, right? I, I think we have a high degree of confidence that at least for the prairies next year will be better just, yeah. than this year. Now, yeah. maybe in Eastern Canada where we had good rainfall and good crops, uh, maybe there's a little more risk on the downside. But in Western Canada, I think uh, the potential is mostly on the upside. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. Really do echo those those hopes. So, well, Alan, it was uh, great to speak with you and thanks for the, uh, thanks for the tips um, and hope to chat with you again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.